Welcome to Jade Explains Death, a place where the more morbid the curiosity, the better. We'll be confronting the one thing humans fear most, death. Each episode will be dedicated to a manner of death, and I will paint a vivid picture of how each would feel, as well as share some of the darkest yet most interesting real-life stories. Get ready, because we're about to embark on an adventure now. Welcome back, my loves, to another death exploration. Today, we're going to be discussing strange human illnesses that cannot be explained by science. I suppose you could say some of these almost have a paranormal undertone or two. My content may be upsetting to some and for a mature audience. Listener discretion advised. Of course, I have to start with one of the biggest mysteries in the scientific community. I've spent entire years of my life irrationally terrified of this. Large groups of people who practice Christianity believe it's simply the Lord smiting the wicked. Others think it's a result of a drunken stupor and lit cigarette. Then there are people like me who believe that there is no rational explanation that we found so far. I believe that one day we will understand how and why this takes place, but the theories that exist for now do not add up. Oh yes, I'm talking about spontaneous human combustion. I did briefly touch on this in my Mysterious Deaths episode, but there's so much more fun to be had surrounding the subject. How can you not be horrified by this? The idea that you can be minding your own business, taking a stroll down the street, and nowhere near a fire source, yet you can spontaneously erupt in a fury of hot-looking flames. Stop, drop, and roll does absolutely nothing for you because the source seems to be inside of your body. No hose exists that is large enough to save you. By the time anyone can even get close to putting out the inferno, too much damage is done. You're a cooked goose. Of course, once I began my intimate relationship with science, my fears slowly fell to the wayside. This is something that happened so rarely that it was believed to be an utter myth until recent times, and some still think it is. We never had a case with a single witness that could actually testify to the fact that indeed a person had spontaneously combusted before their very eyes. Not until recent years, at least. This mystery is still just as deep as it was when I was young, but I no longer lose sleep over the possibility of this happening to me. It seems that I have a statistically higher shot at first winning the lottery and then dying in a fiery plane crash while getting struck by lightning. How much would that suck? That may be a slight exaggeration, but it's close. There have been over 200 cases reported, but many of these cases do not hit the hallmarks of true spontaneous human combustion. Personally, I have found six cases that seem to be pretty convincing. One of these cases is that of Mary Reeser. Mary was an old lady who was indeed a smoker and had a pension for strong sleeping pills. On July 2nd, 1951, Mary's landlord arrived at her apartment to check on her in the early morning hours. When she tried to grab hold of the metal doorknob that led to Mary's apartment, she noticed it felt uncomfortably warm to the touch. It didn't scald her hand or anything, but it certainly set off alarm bells. Turns out, Mary had had quite the eventful night previously. First responders were greeted with an equally puzzling and disturbing sight upon entering her flat. There were signs of an obvious fire, but it was unlike anything they'd ever seen before. Near the wall of the room was a charred chair. What looked like pounds of ash littered the remains of the piece of furniture. On the floor below was one partially consumed foot, still in an untouched slipper. The fire looked as if it had somehow remained confined to just the chair. There were burn marks on the ceiling directly above. 
Around the room, various objects made completely of plastic had melted, losing their shape, but nothing else seemed to be touched by the fire. Somehow, it completely ate up majority of Mary, but did not spread in the least. The only thing that remained near whole of Mary was her foot, partially eaten by fire, piece of her backbone, and her intact skull. Strangely, Mary's skull had shrunken to the size of a teacup, something that was later confirmed by the coroner. Healthy, non-brittle bone contains 31% water. A high and constant heat source will definitely draw out that moisture and can cause them to shrink, but this was unprecedented. It is not typical to find a human skull that is shriveled in size on such a large scale, especially from your run-of-the-mill house fire. Obviously, this was not that. The fire chief was baffled. Though Mary was a known smoker, and it was reasonable to assume that she got a little too loosey-goosey from her sleeping pills and dropped a lit cig in her lap, this still could not explain the level that her remains burned. I mean, there are many murderers that you could consult with on this. They will tell you that it's no easy feat to completely destroy a body with fire. In fact, most would tell you it's impossible. There will always be some stubborn hard bones that just won't burn. You might be able to eliminate some of the evidence, but definitely not all. That is what's so damn tricky about these cases. These fires leave the victim in a state where their remains yield little to no answers. With Mary, there was not anywhere near enough of her left to conduct a proper autopsy. For all we know, she was already dead before she combusted. The fire chief was at such a loss that he rounded up some of the evidence to send off to the FBI for help. This included a piece of the carpet found beneath Mary, the untouched slipper, glass fragments found in ash, and six tiny items believed to be Mary's teeth. Along with this evidence was a note that read, We request any information or theories that could explain how a human body could be so destroyed and the fire so confined to such a small area and so little damage done to the structure of the building and the furniture in the room not even scorched or damaged by smoke. He apparently didn't believe in using periods in his sentences. The conclusion offered by the FBI was so damn disappointing and anticlimactic. They concluded that the lit cigarette dropped in Mary's lap and she fell victim to the wick effect. I fucking hate this so much. I am so sick and tired of scientists throwing this claim around when it has never been proven or supported by any real experiment or evidence. It is a giant cop-out. Don't get me wrong. The wick effect is a very real thing. However, it has never displayed any proof that it can actually consume a body whole. Trust me, I spent the entire day yesterday looking into this alone. I watched clip after clip of so-called experiments from documentaries and YouTube that claim to support this. I've scoured scientific papers. I probably saw photos of at least 25 different burned bodies. Literally dreamt that I was caught in a house fire last night because my entire day was used up by searching for this. So, the wick effect basically means that an outside source of fire, often a lit cigarette, catches the person's clothing on fire. As the heat of the flames melts the person's body fat, the clothing becomes soaked in it, which creates the effect that you see in a candle wick. And this absolutely is a real thing. I've talked about this in some of my videos before. I think I touched on this in another episode. Our body fat can become almost like an accelerant for fire. But, 
Almost every known definitive case of this has completely different burn patterns, and the body is never, ever completely rendered into ash, not even close. So that is why I find it infuriating that this is the widely accepted theory on spontaneous human combustion. Can't we just say, I do not have a scientific answer at this time, but that doesn't mean one doesn't exist. This still remains unexplained because that is the truth. Please don't hate me for this and just, just hear me out. I found it so disappointing to see so many YouTubers who claim to be scientists or experts of some kind and they put out videos of experiments only for them to taint those experiments within just minutes. Hey, I love a great experiment video and if it's done strictly for entertainment, I am not going to expect there to be controls. I'm never going to come for somebody who's just having fun and trying to learn. But when a person makes the claims that they are an expert and they destroy their own experiment before it begins, yet try to claim their results as fact, I have a problem with it. One of those experiments in particular was done on a pig. This person used an accelerant on this pig simply to speed up the process. After dropping a lit cigarette on it, they grew impatient because it was taking so long to really get going. But actually, this is a key part of the experiment. If they would have just kept going with it the way that it was, they would have actually rendered results that disproves this theory because the fire would have never eaten up that pig, turning it to ash. And even after using accelerant, that didn't happen. Based on the evidence that we have at this moment in time, as well as evidence of proven cases of the Wick effect, this theory is not supported as a cause for spontaneous human combustion. It is not supported by the science that we have there has to be a missing piece of the puzzle that we haven't found yet. I had to find it kind of funny. One of the scientific papers that I was using for research for this episode was citing Wick Effect. Additionally, this writer seemed kind of annoyed by the fact that a lot of people still say that this phenomenon is unexplained. They went on to make claims that we've never seen cases of people just walking down the street and combusting while others actually watch. And that's because it simply doesn't happen. There's an explanation for the fire every single time, and that is why we do not hear about cases with witnesses. This article was seven years old, so at the time when it was written, that was true. But since then, there's actually been two possible cases like just that, and a third that happened in a home with several witnesses. In 2016, in Serbia, a man reportedly watched another man who was a transient and lying in the street spontaneously catch fire. Once he realized what was going on, he began to record it with his phone, which side note, I feel like that speaks volumes of the kind of person that he was. I mean, wouldn't your first instinct be to help put out the fire? But anyways, of course, we do not see the man catch fire in this video, so we cannot say for certain that we're watching spontaneous human combustion, but according to the witness who took that video, we are. Also, several other onlookers joined the man and watched this unfold. Of course, those onlookers worked hard to try and put out the fire, but it was too late. A year later, in 2017, reports began coming out of London that were very similar. No video surfaced of the incident this time, but a handful of witnesses did. Upon investigation, no cause of the fire was found, and this instance did not render a body into ash because the numerous onlookers worked very hard and quickly this time to put out the flames. The man was airlifted to a hospital, but sadly was pronounced dead the following day. 
A lot of people like to claim that in these cases, the fire destroys all evidence of the source and potential accelerant, but that would not be the case here. A lighter was found in the man's pocket, but no cigarettes were found. Although, it's entirely possible that the man was smoking his very last one and it was destroyed by the fire. The investigators on this case ruled this unexplainable. Of course, other experts wanted to try their hand at solving this, but they couldn't. I mean, some think that they did, but again, they simply cited Wick Effect. If the Wick Effect was indeed capable of causing this level of destruction, don't you think it would be a powerful tool in the cremation process? Because let me tell you, when you do receive ashes of your loved one, what you are getting is not actually a product of a fire. Some is, but a percentage of the ashes that you receive are not actually ashes from a fire. They're bone fragment that was unable to be completely burned. These fragments are placed in a machine that is kind of like a meat grinder for bones. It pulverizes the fragments, giving the appearance of ash. And crematoriums use high-powered, sophisticated furnaces that heat to around 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit or 982 degrees Celsius. This process takes around three hours to evaporate all fluids and burn up the soft tissue and organs. Some of the bones are able to be burned enough that they can be tended to and basically beaten with fire pokers until they break down. But there's always whole bone fragments that remain and need to be thrown into the machine. So... These experts want to tell me that the wick effect can bypass that. It can create a fire hot enough to consume the entire body, bones and all. Your average house fire will burn at no more than 1100 degrees Fahrenheit or 593 degrees Celsius. Of course, there are exceptions to this rule. Sometimes gases and accelerants can aid these fires, bringing them to higher temperatures. But when this happens, these fires end up leaving destruction among everything that they touch and they easily spread to the curtains on a nearby window to furniture in the same room and the wooden floors but we do not see that in these authentic cases do you remember my cartel killings episode okay spoiler alert if you haven't listened coming in three two one well allegedly those kidnapped and murdered students in mexico were all burned over a big huge fire for nearly a day and they still ended up with bags and bags of bones that wouldn't burn. Like I said in the beginning, there have been easily well over 200 cases of spontaneous human combustion reported, but a great deal of those cases seem to honestly just be a result of lazy police work. They do not have the hallmarks of a true blue case. So when I'm talking about the wick effect not really being able to account for spontaneous human combustion, I'm talking about like those slim cases, you know, the six cases or so that I found that actually have these hallmarks. These hallmarks are no known cause of the fire, no accelerant found, large amounts of the body rendered into ash, burn patterns that are indicative that the fire began near the abdomen or chest region, and limited fire damage to surrounding areas. So you do have to take this with a grain of salt. There absolutely are still cases out there that have yet to be explained by any known theories, but majority of them can actually be explained. They just need a little bit more thorough of an investigation. One of these potential explanations is another truly bizarre affliction known as Stevens-Johnson syndrome. This is a rare and sometimes uber catastrophic reaction to certain medications. It begins like the flu, seems completely innocuous at first, but soon the epidermis or outer layer of skin begins to die. In many cases, that dead layer of skin just sheds off and everything heals, it returns to being hunky-dory after days of horrible pain, but sometimes a more deadly reaction occurs. This is called toxic epidermal necrolysis. 
if I recall correctly, I think there was actually a Grey's Anatomy episode about this. If not, it was something very similar. This causes damage to at least 30% of the skin's surface, as well as mucous membranes, and it can be just as deadly as having widespread severe burns. It also looks like a spinning image of severe burns. So I think there's actually a chance that some of these reported cases could have actually been a product of this reaction. They were investigated, they looked and saw burns on the body, couldn't find any known start of the fire because it wasn't actually a fire at all. Also, a few could have been a product of alcohol consumption, spilling onto clothing and dropping a lit cigarette. And yes, some of these are indeed explainable by the wick effect. But those are the cases where the body does not completely burn and do not check all of the boxes of spontaneous human combustion. Okay, now let's shift into another phenomenon that has also fascinated me since I was itty bitty. I'm talking about the dance plague of 1518. So, the story goes that a one-lady trophée began feverishly dancing in the streets of Strasbourg, France. Nothing could get her to waver. She just danced like it was her one and only mission in life. Just kept on moving. It wasn't very striking to bystanders at first. I'm sure that many just thought, you know, this lady lost her marbles. Once entire groups of women joined her in her gyrating, people really took notice. Day after day, these women continued their frenzy, and each day new hordes of people who were mostly women joined in as if they were speaking some unknown sign language with their movements. No words were exchanged. They apparently weren't needed. Families tried everything to remove their loved ones from this trance. Local doctors blamed it on hot blood, stating that these women were simply trying to dance away their fever. Am I the only one that finds this explanation Looney Tunes? Obviously, medicine was a little archaic at the time, but when I get a spiked fever, dancing is the last thing that I want to do. I'd get way too dizzy and exhausted early on. But apparently, there was nothing that anybody could do. Nothing stopped them from twisting their bodies around, often to complete silence. As days turned to weeks, people began dropping like bellied-up fish in a plague. After forcing their bodies to reach their limits and still going even further, they were dropping to the ground and never again getting back up. After a month, nearly 400 lives were claimed by this bizarre spreading illness. This persisted for yet another month. This dangerous trend began in July of 1518. By September, the locals were aghast. They turned to their beliefs for help. One by one, these zombie dancers were whisked away to a mountaintop shrine where the unafflicted would gather around the sick and pray for absolution. And apparently, it worked. This finally brought this nightmare to a close. Sadly, it was already too late for the hundreds of people who buckled under the constant movement and starvation. This phenomenon was actually pretty well documented at the time through physicians' notes, sermons delivered at church that were pre-written, and city council claims. But many still question whether or not it was as deadly as the story says. Very few of these records indicate the number of casualties. Regardless, we definitely have reasons to believe that this truly transpired. Pretty much any reasoning or theory given at the time of this plague makes no sense at all, which is to be expected. Luckily, this has continued to baffle and fascinate all the way up into the 21st century, so we've had the privilege of doctors and experts weighing in. We still don't know for certain what the hell was actually causing this, but there are some interesting possibilities. One of the first theories to emerge after the hot-blooded claims was food poisoning. And I understand why when we see large groups of people embark in the same strange behavior, naturally we think, well, 
there must be something in their water. Early on, this didn't really track. However, once this theory took shape, it kind of was like, oh, okay, I see you. There is a species of fungus that really likes to wreak havoc on growing grains, and it indeed was an issue in the 1500s. These types of contaminants cause the plant to get sick with something called ergot. When a person consumes this sickly plant, they can experience an array of nasty symptoms. Ordinarily, it causes things like nausea, vomiting, muscle aches and weakness, numbness, tingling, slower rapid heart rate, and itching. None of these symptoms seem to align with the many ladies who became convulsing zombies, but in rare cases, it can lead to neurological issues. These can include brain fog, clumsiness, or issues with gait or walking, headaches, mania, psychosis, and even seizures. But, like I said, these symptoms are more rare. It seems hard to believe that one huge group of people would be affected in the same exact way but it cannot be completely ruled out. Perhaps the entire town was suffering from this fungus. Anyone who wasn't gluten intolerant, that is, if that was even a thing back then. But the dancers were perhaps a small amount who felt the more extreme issues. You would think that record would reflect the fact that the town had fallen ill, but I wasn't there. So, you know, you never know. This illness was actually linked to the Salem witch trials a time or two. It's believed that some of these so-called witches were sick or even the accusers with ergot. Another theory is simply mass hysteria. Uh, it's hard for me not to think of mass hysteria as a cop-out because I do know it's absolutely a possible thing. It has happened. But I do feel like it, we reach for that trigger so fast. We are so fast to be like, bam, mass hysteria. At least to this day, we haven't come up with a better explanation. There have been cases of it throughout our history, and it still happens. Mass hysteria is basically a shared delusion or illusion, but it's typically of a threat. A lot of known cases were sparked by rampant rumors, which of course gave birth to profound fear and anxiety. And this kind of creates a perfect environment for mass hysteria. Sometimes it exhibits in the form of a disease. Our brains can really, really fuck with us. Let me demonstrate. Close your eyes and think to yourself how your left ankle really hurts. It's kind of tingling. It's kind of just a dull ache, but it's there. It may not happen instantaneously, but if you fixate on this imaginary pain long enough, you will start to feel it. I imagine that a mass delusion of an illness kind of works similarly. You hear the rumors of someone falling ill and soon you're on high alert, keeping an eye out for these same symptoms. And sometimes they think themselves into experiencing them. Then their neighbor hears how that person has also caught this mysterious illness and they begin to do the same. They repeat the cycle. I have to say though, this seems like a very powerful delusion. This was strong enough to cause hundreds of people to put their own lives in danger. I mean, I would think that their bodies would reach a point of exhaustion that they would have to just stop. How can their minds just keep powering their bodies when they're at their wit's end? But again, I wasn't there. Some examples of modern mass hysteria include sightings of weird creepy monsters like the hairy monkey man or Bigfoot, which I think are the same thing, and chupacabra. But I have a hard time consenting to the fact that these were indeed delusions because, well, those things could really exist. I know some of these sightings are probably bullshit, but they may be out there. I don't know. Do you know? I remember back in 2011, when a group of teenagers all seemed to develop Tourette's syndrome or Tourette's-like symptoms around the same exact time and out of nowhere, 
and in the same town. This was viewed as a form of mass hysteria right out of the gate, because again, you know, they reached for that trigger. They always do. The wild thing is, there are several doctors out there who believe that this was actually caused by a real disease. Some think they have actually found the answer. I personally lean more towards this being the case. Do you know how many illnesses are out there that sound stranger than fiction? Imagine being told that you might fall ill with a mysterious illness that makes you petrified of water. That sounds like the makings of a great mass hysteria claim to me, but it's very real and deadly. It's the illness known as rabies. And it absolutely does make the ill develop a phobia of drinking water, mainly because of the amount of intense, unrelenting pain it causes. Typically, when the disease reaches that point in their illness, they aren't great at communicating, which, as you can imagine, would really up the ante on the mass hysteria claims. I personally feel like there's possibly a real illness out there that can explain the screwy dancing plague. We may never ever find out what it is. It could have been a novel thing that fizzled out and faded away. Might not be an active threat to us any longer. I'm sure it would be something that attacked the nervous system in some way. But what was perceived as dancing could have actually been a weird form of a seizure that we've never seen before. At least not in modern times. Any number of things can trigger seizures. Could have been a toxin of some kind or a virus or reaction to something that these women were taking. It could have been some form of a supplement that's just not reflected in the record. What do you think about this? Because honestly, I am dying to hear your theories for both spontaneous human combustion and this weird dancing plague. I mean, maybe we can all put our brains together and come up with a new theory. Maybe we can crack these cases. Thank you so much for coming along on this journey, loves. My next week episode is going to be a request of some kind. I have a few requests already, but I'm always open to taking more. Let me know what you would like to explore next. We shall meet again next week at this time. Until then.